Welcome to the Utah Lake Update Podcast, Episode 8. My name is Carolyn Jardine. I'm on the Conserve Utah Valley Leadership Team. I'm here tonight with Ben Abbott. Hello, Carolyn. Hi, Ben. And also Katie Knight. Hello. Katie's uh, one of our CUV volunteers who uh, produces the podcast. Ben, I'm not sure you need an introduction. <laughs> the Utah Lake Enthusiast. Yeah, there. I lo- That's the best one? intro I've ever gotten. <laughs> I'm going to use it. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me tonight. We've had so much progress in this, um, I don't think battle is too light of a term to yeah. use in protecting Utah Lake. So much has been going on. But the good news is, is we're finally to a point where we're already starting to see what a post-island world looks like for yeah. Utah Lake. And so many good things are just beginning and there's a lot of opportunity for people who have been so involved and so supportive of the Don't Pave Utah Lake movement yeah. to now shift our focus to how can we support a really, really bright future for the lake. Yeah. So that's what we're here to talk about in this episode. Ben, what are you most excited about that's coming up? You know, um, the uh, there was $30 million of one-time funding that's going to Utah Lake from uh, the ARPA uh, act. This is the kind of COVID relief act. And this is exciting. That's more money than has ever gone to the lake in one year. So this is going to fund a whole series of projects, wastewater treatment plant upgrades. They had a, a solicitation where different groups and individuals could submit and request funding for education projects and different restoration work. So I'm really excited to see what comes from that. You know, we were kind of told by LRS, either go with us or nothing's going to change right? It's either the status quo or us, which felt a little bit like an abusive boyfriend, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to like you, if you <laughs> unless you date me. But um, sorry, I don't know if we can say that on this podcast. Yeah, we can say whatever we want. Yeah, I'm not affiliated. I'm just a lake enthusiast, so <laughs> chains unchained. But we see that's not the case. And in fact, the uh, restoration work is accelerating. And these are the kinds of things, um, you know, it's like maintaining your own health. It takes, it takes a while to see the impacts, but we're going to see some really good dividends. And the timing couldn't be better, right? The Great Salt Lake is on life support. And so these efforts to uh, improve water management and water quality in Utah Lake are going to uh, be a lifeline through the Jordan River to the Great Salt Lake. So I'm excited that we're moving beyond a project that really was not serious, meaning it, was, it wasn't based in science, wasn't going to help. We're no longer talking about that negative thing. We're thinking about what's going to work to manage the Utah Lake watershed and the Great Salt Lake watershed through this time of, of, of real environmental threats. And it, there's a lot of solutions, right? It's not just one thing to work on. That's there's right. many different projects going on. Yeah, so it's not a, it's not a miracle pill. We're going to see more uh, restoration of habitat, more removal of invasive species, reduction of stormwater um, pollutant flow to the lake. And most important, uh, we're really only starting to, to get into this, but we need more water going to Utah Lake and then the Great Salt Lake. Okay. So true. And I think to your point, Ben, about um, education and helping people understand how this isn't just an all or nothing kind of proposition where it was islands or nothing, interesting we just had a, a comment on one of our blog posts from the last couple of days from somebody saying wait a minute everybody is saying that we don't need to do anything essentially yeah. I'm I'm putting words in this person's mouth I'm not quoting directly but you know saying there are problems in Utah Lake yeah 
why would we go against making them better, right? Yeah. And I think that is such a critical point for everybody to understand is this has never been a conversation about islands or nothing. The conversation needs to keep evolving around what is the best future for Utah Lake and yeah. how do we get there? And that the islands just was not the solution. Correct. Yeah. That's what we're saying. Yeah, and that doesn't mean there's no other things, right? There's so many other things and good things that are happening right now. We're in the middle of a multi-year study from Division of Water Quality. Yeah. And what I'm most excited about, you know, I I don't come from an environmental or a science background. I come from business. And one of the things that I'm always, you know, looking at in plans and long-range planning, you know, when it comes to the private sector is what does good look like? And yeah. with Utah Lake you know, in my monkey brain, that's like the question that I keep asking is, is what does good look like? Yeah. And there hasn't really been an answer to that for Utah Lake. We we know what it has looked like. We know what it looks like today, but where can we get yeah. with the lake? And so I'm very excited about the DWQ study because I think that's the first thing. Am I reading that right? I could, the absolutely. No, I, I, could, I couldn't agree more. And that's one of the hardest things in ecological restoration is deciding what should our target be? You know, how much of the original functioning can we restore? Um, what have what has permanently changed? Um, and how? so I really like you've heard this from uh, Representative Kevin Stratton and others. How can we help the lake be its best self? And, um, and so that's a, a really long-term relationship. You know, it's not something you show up and tell the lake what it has to be. What can you be? What do you need? And this, this water quality study is really going to help us. I think so, too. And the other things that I'm seeing just as I've gotten deeper into understanding what projects are already happening is this is not a case of where it needs to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. It is already getting better. Yeah. And I think that's that's the exciting, you know, piece of this as as more people get to be aware of that. What are some of the interesting or of note points of progress for the lake in the last few years? Yeah, there have been huge steps forward. Uh, one of the big ones is invasive species removal. So the Asian carp was the dominant fish species in the lake, introduced in the late 1800s. Because of this private-public partnership with a fish harvesting company, the biomass of the carp was removed, uh, 80, 80% of the biomass of the carp was removed. So this is making space in the food web for the native fish, amphibians, birds to, to come back. And indeed, the, the biggest success so far has been the recovery of the June sucker fish, right? Almost extinct, just a few hundred left in the whole world. And this last year, uh, they, they observed, the June sucker recovery implementation program observed 50,000 Fish in Which, the lake. And they're endemic to Utah Lake. That's right. right. That yep. is amazing. And for some of our viewers aren't going to know what that word yeah. means, Katie. What uh, that, they're only fun. found there. That's what yeah. that means. It's the one place on the earth. Yeah. yeah, it's Provo River and Utah Lake, right? Yeah. The tributaries to Utah yeah. Lake. Yes, yeah. Spanish Fork as well. And it, the the June sucker is what what they call an indicator species. You know, so it's difficult to know what's the health of an ecosystem. And because that fish depends and is an integral part of the food web, it is a really good uh, thermometer, right, to know, hey, the fever's coming down. Um, and it, I'd, I'd really recommend, if anybody wants to witness a natural miracle, it's called the June sucker because in June it, it uh, swims up the tributaries, all the rivers flowing the lake, and spawns there like a salmon run. And I got a phone call, actually, from somebody who said hey, 
the carp are coming out of the lake. Something's <laughs> going on. This is at the end of May. And I was able to tell them, no, go look a little closer. Those aren't carp at all. Those are June sucker. And so there were so many of them, you could uh, almost walk across the river on their backs. It's, That's exciting. It's really, really cool. Yeah. This is only the third time in U.S. history that a fish has been downlisted from endangered to threatened. Uh, and indeed, the June Sucker Recovery Implementation Program has been held up as an example, even has been mentioned in discussions of the Great Salt Lake. How can we apply some of the lessons learned here? And one of those distinctive characteristics is there's a lot of public involvement. Right? Yeah. People care about the lake. Um, they're showing up. They're asking questions. Uh, they're, they're willing to support it. So the June sucker actually is a good um, kind of lead into another really interesting point about the lake right now. So because of the June sucker project, we have some additional water rights that are sending yeah. more water into Utah Lake. Where did I learn this? I learned it at the last Utah Lake summit-ish type meeting. Yeah. So you all, I think, are pretty aware that... <laughs> that that's amazing branding, Carolyn. <laughs> summit-ish type meeting. <laughs> well, you all are aware that for... Um, well, we've done three of them, right? There were three Utah Lake summits. Yeah, uh, and one symposium. And one symposium, right? And those were grassroots kind of meetings that came together. Both, you know, Ben, I think you and other folks at BYU and UVU did the symposium last year. Then Conserve Utah Valley, along with Representative Stratton, hosted a, a series of what we called the Utah Lake Summit. And the whole point of that was to bring the public in to dialogue between the science community and the legislative community. And those meetings were really informative and helpful. Just this year, one of the kind of good signs to me of a post-island world is that instead of it being a grassroots effort, now DNR and FFSL have really taken ownership of hosting that series of meetings going forward. So it will no longer be called Utah Lake Summit, which is totally fine. But in this last meeting, I think we saw a blueprint for what they hope to do in the future, which is continue that dialogue where the public gets to participate. We're yeah. bringing members of the science and the, the you know legislative and executive bodies together to talk about the future of Utah Lake. Yeah. One of the best presentations from the last one was um, from the group that really manages all water rights in Utah. So that's where my comment comes from yeah. with more water coming to the lake. But just the fact that we can have those types of meetings where so many folks who are part of the solution yeah. are coming together and you know really learning and also sharing it's really exciting, and I'm yeah. very pleased to see um, FFSL, and we have to thank Ben Steyerman for this, who is the person who's responsible for the state lands um, management yeah. program. I, I don't remember his title. He's just a really great guy. Yeah. And <laughs> he also has been the one who kind of took ownership of saying we, we really need to be the ones who are taking responsibility for having these conversations. So very excited about the future of that and very much ready for CUV to be supportive of those going forward. How often are they going to have these meetings? Yeah, I think that's what they're still trying to figure out, okay. the, the logistics of that. Um, when Ben and I last spoke, Ben Steyerman, uh, we talked about having one around the legislative session to kind of give everybody an update on you know what impact um, for the lake is coming out of the legislative session, and I think that'll be really helpful. Yeah. You know, just next week, so this will be the week of November 13th, 
that right? Yeah. There's going to be a, a Salt Lake County Watershed Symposium. And this mm-hmm. is a, f- a free event right in the same tradition. And uh, you can Zoom in or you can uh, attend in person. It's a free free symposium. So there, there's going to be a panel, a Utah Lake panel, um, including Eric Ellis of the Utah Lake Authority and others um, talking there. So if, that'll be a good in-between summits event if people are interested. I think an, another topic that's really interesting on that note is the Utah Lake Authority. Yeah. So we're in our kind of ramp up of the ULA or Utah Lake Authority, which also was part of the 2022 legislative session and yeah. um, Representative Brammer's bill that passed to form the Utah Lake Authority. So we're in this ramp up where ULA is getting going in anticipation of taking over from the Utah Lake Commission going forward. Um, ben, you want to give us a 30-second commercial on what the difference is between ULA and ULC? Yeah, it's, you know, the, the last letter is different, is uh, one of the <laughs> no, no, most noticeable changes. Um, the authority is a political subdivision, so they have more power to raise funds and organize and authorize different projects. Now, they still are working very closely with DFFSL the uh, Division of Forestry, Fire, and State Lands. So that's going to be collaborative. But I'm excited this is going to be an opportunity for the whole community to get involved. Uh, I believe they're planning a citizens advisory board um, for the Utah Lake Authority. And so go to utahlake.org. They advertise all the meetings there, and um, you can attend, again, either virtually or in person. Uh, Mayor Fulmer of Vineyard and Mayor Kafusi of Provo are the two leads on that board right now. And I saw just, I think this week, they met with the governor and gave a briefing about what's going on at Utah Lake. So this could be a really positive thing. They're putting together a a master plan for management of the lake system that they have to have together by April, I think, of, of this coming year. That's when the the transfer of power will happen. That's really great that there's so much attention now on like in different areas. Absolutely. And I think the important piece of that master plan is that it will have public engagement as part of the process there. So we will definitely be kind of promoting that opportunity for people. to. That's such a, such an important point. You know, these are complicated, um, uh, projects that involve recreational access, ecological health, uh, water rights, and all kinds of other things. And so having more eyes on it uh, is really helpful. So I think that the name of the post-island uh, uh, universe is stay involved. Right? <laughs> stay, stay engaged. Yeah. We've seen this swell of public support and public engagement and public interest in the lake over the last year. And we really need everybody to stay stay connected yeah just because we've kind of moved past one hurdle doesn't mean that there's not a dozen more coming i would say the things ahead are so much better right we've been fighting against a bad proposal now we're in a position where we can advocate for good things like this is this is the best possible and and so amazing that it's happened so quickly thanks to the solidarity and involvement of our community absolutely well on that note we're going to Wrap it up today and look forward to our next Utah Lake update, potentially closer to the legislative session when we find out if there's any legislation that's about to um, go through the process again that might have an impact on Utah Lake. Wonderful. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Carolyn.